0: our number three of the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. She is Leah Brandon. This is the program where each and every Sunday night, We get together, we talk about the news of the week, the events of our sometimes bizarre lives. We do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. We are heard nationwide on 15 different stations, most in major markets, including New York, and in our flagship market of Los Angeles, California, where Lee and I met back in 2004 on KFI Radio, where we... Did a program at the, exactly the same time period, only it was on weekdays. We we're heard on KRLA in Los Angeles, there, as well as 14 other stations, all of which you can find at our website, www.freespeechbroadcasting. That's freespeechbroadcasting.com. This should be an interesting hour of the show. Uh, later on in this hour, I will talk more honestly and probably in a dumber fashion uh, than any other talk show host would ever do but that's the nature of this program we uh, pursue the truth and sometimes it's not pretty Okay.
1: Well, make sure you save enough time for that because we're gonna want that.
0: All right. Well, we'll do two. The last two segments of the show will be dedicated to that and the chaos that is my life. That hopefully <laughs> will feel make you feel better about your life. And if it accomplishes that, then at least we've done some good here tonight. Before that, though, I would say, Lee, and I'm pretty sure you would agree, the basic premise or foundation of this program, above everything else that we do, and we do a lot of different things on this show. Is to illustrate just how broken the news media is. Would you agree with that? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the number. That's the number one reason why this show exists. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have taken a contrarian point of view, <laughs> to, to, to put it lightly. That's uh, your
1: default stance, though.
0: No. Oh no, no, it no. It is. It's becoming a little bit more. But I'm not. I am not a conspiracy theorist by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I'm an uh, anti-conspiracy no. theorist. You you understand that, right? I do understand uh, that. Okay. Um, I have become far more cynical than <laughs> even you know when we were at KFI in Los Angeles, and I was pretty cynical then, because I've been through the wars. I, I have seen these people up close. I, I've been on the Today Show three times with Matt Lauer. I've been on every cable news network show. I, I know how these decisions get made, and— the ability for the news media to blow a complex story knows no bounds. I mean it is it is use use the phrase default position, right? Yes. yes. My default position is that if the story is too fast, too juicy and too complicated, the news media will blow it. Now, you don't know exactly how they're going to blow it, but they're going to blow it. Yes, I will agree with you on that. They will it is a default position now because it's not a matter of um, you know the specifics of the story. It's just not believing in the process that the machinery is so broken that the truth can't possibly come out. That and I and I, I don't know if you're thinking about this, but this was a discussion we had about Cecil the Lion, where. I don't believe the machinery in Zimbabwe uh, was good enough in, in 24 hours or whatever it was for us to get the truth about a situation that made no sense. Now, we don't know that yet. By the way, the president of South Africa laughed at you and your your buddies who were very upset about Cecil the Lion this week, uh, saying this was just an incident. And he literally laughed at a press conference that anyone was caring about this.
1: Well, uh, I mean, he eats elephants at his birthday, so who cares? <laughs> Okay. Okay. That's to- what we're dealing with. He may as well be uh,
0: ISIS. All right. Touche. Fair enough. And I don't want to talk about Cease of the Lion, but I'm my, <laughs> I'm using that as an example of yes. My default position, especially when we get a false report that his brother was killed in an ex- exactly like c- well, same. We knew it wasn't his brother. No, we, that's not the way it was reported, Leah. Now come on. You you put it on your Facebook page. I saw it. I commented on it. Uh, anyway, I don't want to get bogged down in Cease of the Lion. All right. My point here is the news media blows it. All the time. And a couple of circumstances occurred this week uh, where I think we now know the news media blew it. My favorite example is a story that's almost 100 years old. And it involves President Warren Harding. Did you happen to see this, Leah? Where we now know that a woman who was not just vilified, but completely and totally destroyed by the news media. A woman by the name of Nan Britton. Who claimed that President Warren Harding was the father known in 2008. So yes, it's possible.
1: I understand the differences between. I mean, look, Democrats can do, they could erect a statue of Satan and still get elected.
0: Right. It doesn't matter. Right, but my, my point here, and this is really important, because I want conservatives to understand the way the process works. Obama was able to ride a wave that a conservative never could because one of his race, that was a huge part of it, but mm-hmm. because there was a 90% of the media was willing to not just carry his water, they were, they were willing to carry him, everything around him yeah. until he was the nominee, and then once he became the nominee and the financial crisis hit. It was all over. So my point is a conservative, a Republican, doesn't have that option. There there is no coming out of nowhere to be president of the United States when you're a Republican. And we have a perfect example of this. Sarah Palin. I mean, how can we not at least learn the lessons of Sarah Palin? I and I did a movie about this, media malpractice. Uh, you know, and I, I have good things and bad things to say about Sarah Palin, but I believe with every fiber of my being, and I, and I, when I asked her about this in my interview with her after the 2008 election from her home in, in Alaska, her face lit up like a Christmas tree because she agreed with me too. I firmly believe that if she, everything about her had been exactly the same, and she had been Obama's vice presidential nominee. Oh, yeah, they would have
1: loved the her. The media
0: would have had multiple <laughs> orgasms over her superstar and she would be she would not just be the front runner uh for, she would be She. it would be there would be no election in 2016 yeah. there would yeah. be no election if, if sarah palin had been barack obama's vice presidential nominee oh and, yeah and then been vice president for eight years there would she would win by you know 60 40 for sure regardless of what her party identification was and but and that proves that as a Democrat, you're allowed to do things and have a narrative. That as a Republican, you're not allowed. Because as a Republican, the Sarah Palin narrative is, Wait a minute, you can't do this. You can't bring someone out of nowhere. We need to. We need to have a foundation. We need to have a narrative. We need. We need yeah. to have know this person. You can't just put them right there in the vice president. No, 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 no. We must destroy this person immediately. That's the difference. And okay, there's nothing we can do about it.
1: They're already trying to destroy Carly Fiorina. It started Friday night on Twitter.
0: (laughs) Well, I see her severance package from HP. She would be very easily destroyed. She's not going to be the nominee. She's not going to be president. And you know what? I have a little bit of anger here because uh, to those conservatives who are like, Oh, I, I want a woman so badly. I, I say, um, then why did you allow Sarah Palin to be destroyed in 2008? If you re, because we had we had our Reagan. I know people think that's crazy for people that don't know her. She could have been Reagan easily, but conservatives well, curled up into the fetal position and allowed her to be destroyed. Well, as you know, what? Okay, fine. You were cowards in 2008. You allowed her to be destroyed. She then sold out because she didn't feel like she had any other choice. But if you allowed her to be destroyed, then you don't get the bitch about not having a woman. Because you had your woman, we had our generation, uh, our miracle. We had our miracle for a generation, and you allowed her to be destroyed. You allowed her to die, so guess what? Screw you. Don't give me Carly Fiorina. I mean, it's not the same deal. It is not the same deal you had her. Her name was Sarah Palin, and we allowed her to die. So now you have to deal with the repercussions of that. Your own damn cowardice. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. She is Leah Brandon. And the program works much better when the two of us are on together, <laughs> uh, and, which I'm very glad to hear her chuckle, meaning that she is, in fact, back on the show. I don't I know am. how much you caught of the last segment, Leah, because I was going on and on and thinking, gee, Leah's being awfully quiet, but, <laughs> um, but you're back, and we've got I that uh, snafu taken care of. So in keeping with the, the theme of the first part of this hour, which is... The news media blows it. The bigger the narrative, the more likely they blow it. And it's nothing all that new, really, because it happened with Warren Harding's love child, as we found out this week. By the way, did you ever watch the, the, uh, the show? I know you don't have HBO anymore, but were you a fan of Boardwalk Empire?
1: I was. I loved, uh, what was his name, Nucky? Yeah, Nucky. Nucky, uh... Nucky Thompson.
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh, did like it. Then it got weird. Well, I, I'm almost positive that, the there was a, a in fact i'm sure that there was a uh, a major storyline in Boardwalk Empire based upon the Warren Harding love child story that turns out to be true now so it's interesting to me that Boardwalk Empire put that in there before it had been you know verified by dna that the story was true although i, I have a vague recollection that there may have been some You know, ambiguity in Boardwalk Empire as to to whom they were referring and whether or not the love child was real or what have you. But anyway, so I was very glad to see that, you know, almost 100 years later, that woman was vindicated, even though the damage was already done. I, I wanted to move on now to to the area of sports where I think this is happening more than any other area. And the reason why it's happening there is largely because ESPN has a monopoly. And because ESPN is incompetent. And when you have a monopoly and you're incompetent and every other news media outlet follows you, then you, you, know, you have too much power and false narratives get into the bloodstream and look out. It's all over. Uh, no one has the power to create a narrative in their realm more than ESPN does. That's true. And this week we learned that yet another... ESPN narrative was total bullcrap. Which one was this? So you remember it wasn't long ago when ESPN told us that the drafting of homosexual Michael Sam was one of the most important things that has ever happened in the history of the national football league, if not sports in its entirety. Remember that? That's right. Oh yes, absolutely. There was a Miami dolphin. I don't even know if he's still on the dolphins or if he's even instilled in the NFL who got suspended and fined for tweeting A negative reaction to seeing Michael Sam kissing his boyfriend on ESPN when he got drafted.
1: Well, I tell you, Uh, they stayed on that for a long, long time.
0: Well, I mean, he ends up on Dancing with the Stars, which, by the way, not coincidental at all, happens to be an ABC Disney property just like ESPN. So they— The, I mean, this is that is not a conspiracy. That's just the way the world works now in, the, in these in, in inherent massive conflict of interest, and nobody has more conflict of interest than ESPN. Nobody. Uh, I mean, it is it is unbelievable. It's the most untold story in all of media, clearly in sports media. The conflict of interest of ESPN and how unbelievably liberal and thus, not surprisingly inaccurate, their right. reporting is. So, so let's go through a, a very quick list of just some of the greatest hits or misses from ESPN on Narrative. So Michael right. Sam being drafted was incredibly important. <laughs> this week, he quits football without ever playing in a National Football League game, playing one game in the Canadian Football League with zero tackles. So that was bullcrap. That was total bull crap. It was a sham. He was not a significant person, regardless of whether or not he likes heterosexual sex or homosexual sex. I couldn't care less. But was- you know
1: what? If he had been gay but a great football player, he would have been drafted a whole lot sooner. Of course. <laughs> he
0: actually would have played because it's not about being gay. It's about being a football player. Right. Of course. Of course. <laughs> and, I mean, if the NFL is the ultimate— you know, situation where if you can perform, they don't care what you like. You're in. Right, I mean, (laughs) but it was obvious to anybody who knew football immediately, especially when, you know, he went from one team to the next to the next, and then he took a leave of absence, and now he's quitting. I love the fact that he's quitting because it's just been so tough on him the last year. Mentally, he's exhausted. Like, because he hasn't been praised enough. By, <laughs> That's right. By every single element of the news media. I guess dancing with the stars was just too difficult for oh Michael Sam. <laughs> uh, so, more ESPN bullcrap narratives. Caitlyn Jenner deserves a Courage Award, the (laughs) Arthur Ashe Courage Award at the ESPYs. That's probably the all-time bullcrap narrative. It's very similar to the Michael Sam situation, where all... Caitlin Jenner got was praise for his or her uh, situation Lance Armstrong as a hero deserves on the Mount Rushmore of bogus ESPN narratives you bought into it I, I did buy into it I refuse to believe I was like he low. Oh, he's a good guy yeah well, I, I told you a long time ago it was impossible. It's impossible with a guy for a guy with one testicle to dominate a sport where everybody's a cheater unless they're cheating too. It was obvious and and ESPN went along with that one. Um, my one of my favorites is Manti Te'o <laughs> lost two loved ones in 24 hours and the media never bothered to check that whether he had even had a girlfriend. No death certificate, (laughs) no obituary, no funeral, not a picture, nothing.
1: Look, when a name makes me laugh, it's bad news. Right.
0: I mean, Man (laughs) was the most obvious fraud of all time, and ESPN lapped it up. So was the entire baseball steroid thing. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds were the greatest thing that ever happened to baseball until they weren't. And then, to me, since I've been living this for over three years, the worst example of all time, the crucifixion of Joe Paterno, who, no matter what you believe about Jerry Sandusky, had absolutely, positively nothing to do with what with happened. Anything. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, they destroyed a 61-year career yep. over nothing, and it was all because of ESPN. When we come back, I'm going to tell you how that case has dramatically impacted my life and my marriage in a negative way on the John and Leah show on the free speech broadcasting network This is the John and Leah Show. That's Leah, not Leah, as in Princess Leah. She's Leah Leah Brandon. My name is John Ziegler. And uh, one of the things that makes this uh, program different, and you might even say unique, because I often refer to it as unique, and it truly is in the actual definition of the word, is that unlike most talk show hosts who have, you know, pretty much one major goal, which is to make themselves look good at all times. I think Rush Limbaugh has even acknowledged that, right? Uh, I, I think I've heard him say that on numerous occasions, that that's the whole point of the program. Make the host look good. Oh, sure. Um, i You're the
1: opposite. <laughs> I,
0: I have never, for whatever, and maybe that's why I'm not Rush Limbaugh, but I have never had that as a goal of any show that I've ever done. Uh, My goals are very different than most people, for better or for worse. I have what one former boss, in fact, from Louisville, Kentucky, where we're heard on WHAS, in fact, the boss at WHAS, testified under oath that I have a, quote, pathological need to tell the truth. And that's probably— Brutal though it may be. Right. Uh, And regardless of whether or not it's in my best interest— Regardless of whether it makes me look good, oftentimes I'll do it knowing it's going to make me look bad. Uh, But I don't really care Uh, because for whatever reason, whether it's my mother, who's no longer with us, what she instilled in me, I have this pathological desire to tell the truth, especially when the story is interesting or can help somebody else, if only by making you feel better about your own life in comparison to mine. So that's going to be the theme of the last two segments of this particular edition of the program. And I mentioned that somehow this deals with my involvement in the Penn State case. Mm -hmm. For those who have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, for the past three plus years, I have been deeply embroiled in that entire so-called Penn State scandal involving Jerry Sandusky and supposedly involving Joe Paterno, even though he had absolutely nothing to do with it at all. If you're interested in this story and if you live in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh or anywhere, frankly, you ought to be interested because it's the most incredible story I've ever been involved with. It's the most unbelievable media-created injustice that I've ever known, and I've seen a lot of them up close. You can go to my website, That's framingpaterno.com. It's not a conspiracy theory. The framing is figurative. It's not literal. And um, in fact, this week, I'm heading back to State College. What are you doing there? Well, I'm going to rummage around in some white trash and see what I can find. That's what I thought. Is that what you thought? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm heading back in to the, in the State College for a couple of days to do some further investigation because after three-plus years on this story, and having been on the Today Show twice with Matt Lauer in major interviews to discuss this, and having interviewed Jerry Sandusky twice in prison— And knowing more about the case than even he does. That's By the way, that's literal. I know more about the case than Jerry Sandusky does. Um, I am convinced that the whole thing was a fraud. And I believe I've proven it, but I would like to try to get some more proof. Now, why am I going now? The reason why I'm going now is because my wife is heading back to work. And because she's heading back to work, I'm going to be in charge for a large portion of the time, of our three-year-old daughter, okay, uh, which is going to be an interesting challenge to begin with, Um, because I was not made for that. (laughs) It's not in my DNA. Uh, She's going to be going to preschool, so I'm not going to have that much responsibility. And As a matter of fact, her first day of preschool was this past Friday, kind of just to get her feet wet, and boy, was that an interesting experience. Uh, but let me give some more backdrop before you understand the context of why it was such an interesting experience to send your three-year-old daughter off to preschool. See, my wife, who has been incredibly loyal when most wives would have run for the hills a long time ago with me being involved in controversial stories, um, has, you know, basically we made a deal. You know, when, when we decided to have a kid, which she absolutely positively wanted to have – And, you know, we got married later in life, so her time period to have a kid was... was Hurry up now. Hurry up now, yes. Thank you. Um, I knew my career was in big trouble for a lot of reasons, some of which were my fault, some of which were situations where my pursuit of the truth got, you know, legs blown off or other limbs blown off or whatever. And I made it very clear there was a very good chance that, you know, gainful employment was unlikely to be in my future correct but but i was going to make a deal and the deal was this i said i gotta you know i'm i'm knowing see one of the benefits of having my predilection for getting in trouble is that i'm aware of it and so when i am making money i save almost all of it (laughs) (laughs) I am exceedingly frugal when it comes to saving, and I have a lot of investments. I own several, not several, I own three different homes in Southern California outright with no debt. Uh, You know, I have a lot of assets, uh, and I said, look, we have a kid. You can take off from your work for the first three-plus years. Uh, uh, We'll make sure that you have live the life of Riley, basically. Um, Spend every moment with the kid you want. But eventually, you know, at the end of that period of time, you're going to have to go back to work. And she was like, okay, that's fine. You know, that's the deal, right? And I, I made a, a series of miscalculations, uh, one of which was that people other than me look at deals the same way that I do. <laughs> See, when, when I make a deal, it's a deal. I mean, that, that if I give my word on it, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, whether they change. If, if I made the deal, that's the deal. And I also am exceedingly loyal. I mean, I'm, I'm probably off the charts on the loyalty uh, element of one's personality. Would you agree with that one, Leah? Well,
1: except if someone maybe wants to change the deal.
0: Well, no, but when I'm, when I'm, what I'm getting at is that if someone has done something for me, even if they can't do anything for me in the future, I, I'm loyal to them to the end of the earth. Right. Yeah, I I would
1: say so. Now, now
0: to me, the the, one of the fundamental things that has changed in our culture is that the definition of loyalty has totally changed. It used to be what has someone done for you in the past. Now it's what can they likely do for you in the future? And so now that we've reached the point of reckoning where my wife is going to go back to work and she's no longer going to be living this dream of spending 24-7 with her beautiful now three-plus-year-old daughter, Um, now we're starting to see a change rather dramatically. Okay. And um, it is very clear to me, and I'm not exaggerating. This is not hyperbole. This is not me creating false drama. If anything, I'm probably downplaying it. My marriage is in grave jeopardy. Uh Uh-oh. Um and i can already see and i anticipated this in fact we might be in a situation where both of us anticipating problems has created far more problem
1: problem than yes.
0: the problem itself
1: well that's uh, not uh not normal
0: right so because we have a situation <laughs> here where remember my wife hasn't even started work and she's spending still every moment with our daughter except for the you know the the six hours that she spent at preschool on Friday to get her feet wet. As a matter of fact, this week the tough life continues because while I'm going to state college to run through uh, white trash, uh, they're going to be going to Disneyland. You know they've got they've got passes to you know year long passes to Disneyland. I mean my life, wife has been living a great life, which was one of my miscalculations. See, I thought that would instilled loyalty when in fact it instilled a level of expectation that was completely unrealistic and now is going to make the pain of real life far worse than if she hadn't been living the dream for the last three plus years.
1: Well, and- okay, first of all, wait a minute. When you say the dream, yeah. you know she's had a baby to take care of oh, no, 24
0: no, no. 7. No, no, no. And let me make It's it- not exactly the dream. Well, for her it was. But let me make, make it very clear. She is an awesome, off the charts mom. Tremendous mom. But let's face it, when you are a tremendous mom, and especially in this day and age, Other things fall through the cracks. That's just the reality. Well, of course
1: they do, and that's just the reality. Center your entire life around
0: the child. One of the things that falls through the cracks, husbands, (laughs) is husbands. Yep. So we'll get to that when we come back on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. back this is the final segment of this edition of the john and leah show if you missed any of the program you can catch the podcasts our soundcloud podcast which will be posted uh, pretty early tomorrow morning monday morning and you can access that through our website www.freespeechbroadcasting.com that's freespeechbroadcasting.com and when we say free speech leah We mean free speech because um, if I find it interesting or you find it interesting, we're going to talk about it, even if it might not uh, be traditional talk radio or might not even make the host look good. I'm currently discussing why I believe my marriage to be in grave peril, uh, and it deals primarily, although not obviously marriages are very complex Situations. Yep, mine didn't take. So you know. Right. Uh, So I'm I'm not pretending that that this is (laughs) a comprehensive analysis of the the entire uh, marriage, which has now lasted a little more than five years, much to the surprise of you. uh,
1: That's a lifetime to me. Right. I mean, mean, my goodness, five uh, years. (laughs) And
0: we have a three-year-old, a a three-plus-year-old daughter, uh, who is amazing in so many ways. Uh, So, but the problem now is that my wife has to go back to work because we need income. Okay. Um, and I mean, we're fine. Didn't you
1: save enough so that she doesn't have to?
0: For the rest of our lives?
1: Well, for a while. Uh,
0: no. Well, no, the problem is the nature of her job, which I, I can't even tell you because she might get in trouble by, by them knowing that I'm her husband. I mean, she doesn't even on Facebook. Uh, she doesn't even go by the last name Ziegler, because she's afraid of my toxic stench, preventing her from being able to get a job. Hey, uh, listen, I understand. Well, it's it's depressing. <laughs> I get it too, uh, but it's depressing. The point is that the nature of her job, she had to go back, or she was going to lose oh, uh, okay. the job. Plus the fact that you know the nature of her job provides for quite a retirement benefit, true, all yeah. that kind of deal. So. The point is that over the long haul, yeah, I mean, we could have continued going this direction. But over the long haul, we would have been totally screwed. And so now she's upset about having to go back. Well, she's. And by the way, I don't. I don't begrudge her that. I mean, it's a huge. I don't either. It's a huge transition. She loves our daughter more oh, than yeah. any, anybody I've ever seen love anybody else. And yeah. I respect that. I honor that. It's the most important thing in my life is their relationship. I mean, you know, she. My my wife cares literally a thousand more than a thousand times more about our daughter than me and i'm okay with that um and my daughter cares way more about my wife than she cares about me and i'm okay with that because their relationship is the most important thing in my life it's the greatest thing i've ever seen period and i have done everything i could over the last several years to foster that to protect that uh that bond that they have but now stupid me even though things have gone exactly as i said they would that I've kept my end of the bargain in spades and everything, you know, everything I said would happen, happened probably better than even I promised. Cause I, I always under promise and over, over deliver. But even though all that has happened now, I stupidly didn't realize, or I should have realized more that now every moment she's not with the kid is going to be blamed on me because And this is where this gets into an interesting situation of...
1: Well, that's true. It is your fault, so...
0: It is? You know, yeah. It is? How is it my fault?
1: Okay, look. You have to understand something, Zig. Life, feelings are not black and white, okay? I can't make a deal with you today that I have to honor after... I've had this baby, and I've lived with this baby for three years, and I'm so invested, Mm -hmm. and it's just going to kill me. I can't—there's no way that that was a fair deal. I may have made it in good faith and said, absolutely, I can do this, but now that it's here— Oh, my gosh, I don't want to do this, and it's your fault that I'm having to do this, and I'm going to hate you for making me do this because you know how I feel about it, and you don't really care about me or my feelings, or else you'd let me out.
0: But I don't have the ability to do that. See, if I had the ability, I mean, just a few weeks ago, um, I went on a second job interview uh, to do a full-time radio program in San Diego, one of the markets the, the John and Leah show is heard on, but it was not on a different station than the one we're on right. in San Diego. And, you know, I'm not 100% sure what the heck happened there because it made no sense. None, nothing, nothing that occurred there. This business doesn't make any sense anyway. But the San Diego situation really made no sense. My agent thought, you know, that... I was going to get the job, I think, and I knew I wasn't, and I don't know why I didn't. See, that's part of this perfect storm I'm in, because my wife has now created the narrative and made it very clear. Even though she was very supportive of my work on the whole Penn State thing for a long time, now in her mind, any situation that doesn't come to fruition is because of Penn State and my involvement in that and and we don't know if that's the case or not when you know you never know that you know how this works you have no idea why you don't get the gig i mean the person they hired is was completely incompetent in comparison to me so uh, that could have saved my marriage you know this is how bizarre this world is had i gotten that job I believe my marriage would have been saved because I could have prevented her from having to go back to work. She loves San Diego. Uh, you know, I would have been the, the primary breadwinner. Instead, she's going to be the primary breadwinner. And this gets to a very interesting situation of male and female roles shifting, but where women only want the benefits of that. They don't want the negatives. And I, and I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that's – been my experience i mean they, they want all the benefits of equality but without any of the responsibilities and so that's frustrating to me and as far as making the deal and the deal changes look i am i am bending over backwards to try to make this as easy as possible and it's killing me leah it's killing me i mean when we sent our daughter grace with the two the three of us my wife, and myself, and Grace, our daughter, all went to send her off for a first day of preschool. Oh, and, I don't know. I, I couldn't have taken that. And and I, you know, I saw the pain in my wife's face because, yep. uh, you know, she's saying goodbye to her baby. Yes. Uh, it, and it's and to feel that it's my fault, even though this is gone exactly according to our plan, it, it's crushing. It's. I mean, if I could do anything to fix it, I would, but I can't. And now well, it's,
1: it's also like you have the guilt. You have this guilt that you can't do anything about. And so watching her,
0: and then she's blaming you, and you've got the guilt. This is just. This is a mess. No, it's a perfect storm, and there's no way out of it. Because now, the more I try to fix it, the more I, I talk about it. She doesn't want to talk about it. And we it's got, hurtful. And we got in a huge fight last night. Uh, which I didn't even anticipate. Here I was trying to fix the problem like a stupid man. Uh, and <laughs> and she doesn't want to talk about it because it's too painful, as you as yes. you reference. Yes. And so now every time we talk, we get in a knockdown drag out, which only makes things worse. Right. And I don't know how we're going to get out of it. I honestly don't. I, I, I do not see a way out. I, I don't know. You know, whether she's going to divorce me this week while I'm gone or next week or next month or next year. But uh, I don't see how it, it's it's viable long term. I just don't see it, even though I will do everything I possibly can to keep it together, if only for our daughter, because she would be crushed. I mean, my, you know, my daughter is only three, but she really understands the, the world. It's amazing how much how much they get at such a young age. The other day we were doing our post dinner walk and my 3 year old daughter says to me completely unprovoked daddy i don't like it when you and mommy get mad at each other it makes oh, yeah. it makes me sad of course it and, does and i'm like oh god <laughs> i mean i mean how do it it scares de- her and her, her foundation's shaking i understand that and i don't want that but I, I but i i when i don't see options and i don't see a path it's very difficult for me to function and i think my wife unfortunately is the same way and by the way another part of this perfect storm we're both very stubborn people uh yeah. and so that's not going to help things either um and this is so, why you need a counselor No, you know i mean i'm a happy, mediator I'm, yeah so i can find a liberal that's going to side with my wife and uh, make things even worse <laughs> I mean that's I mean all these counselors are diehard liberals. What diehard liberal is going to side with me or even be fair to me? Forget about siding with me, just be be fair. I mean I'm I'm willing to try anything, but I, I just am very depressed and very uh you know, very pessimistic about the whole situation and well, I don't and very, see feel very how
1: divorce helpless. helps. I don't see how divorce, oh, divorce helps would in her insane. mind.
0: It would be insane. It would be insane on every level to go that direction and whether she understands that or not. I I don't know, but um, but now I'm going to go home, and um, we probably won't even talk because we'll be afraid to get in another fight. So that, I uh, hope, makes you feel better about your life, folks. <laughs> if, if I've done that, if I've accomplished that, I've done something good, I guess. If you can feel better about your life in comparison to mine. Leah, you have a great week. Okay, uh, you too. Thanks, Leah. We'll be back next Sunday on the John and Leah Show. The website, www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. My name is John Ziegler.